It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic today on the show. Good friend of the program, Matthew Penny, is in the building. What up, Ben? How are we doing? Great friend of the program. Best friend of the program. Happy to be back. We're March. We're in March. It's actually, this is March. This is March Madness. It's the best month of the year. We're podcasting. We have college games. It's it's beautiful. We're in March, and yet the podcast is beset by controversy. There's no other way to put this. Mm. I know all of the listeners have seen the many rumors flying around the internet right now. I know that the people on YouTube are seeing that Matt Penny is wearing a UMass jersey right now. UMass fired Matt McCall after five years. And the question that everyone has is, based off of these rumors, is Matt Penny a candidate to go from professional podcaster (laughs) to head coach of the UMass Minutemen, his alma mater, starting next year? Matt, I'm going to give you the floor to make a statement because, look, if you can't say anything, you can't say anything. I get it. Yeah, my my agents have advised me to to not speak specifically on that situation. I I have a jersey on right now that's just part of my normal wardrobe. I didn't necessarily plan this for for the show. Uh, I want my Almar to be great, but I I want game theory to be greater. So I'm just committed to what's in front of me right now, and I value who's ever the most loyal to me. And right now, that's game theory. Yeah, one of the rumors that's floating around the internet right now is that uh, you were quoted on a UMass fan blog saying that you would rather watch your son Avery play with trucks than watch UMass basketball. Is that does that still stand? Uh, it, it depends on the day of the week. I, I was gone for a couple of days this week. You miss him, you get home. I was like, yeah, let's play trucks. But the days like last night where, uh, he took a long nap and then he couldn't sleep. So he's up at 10 o'clock watching inventing Anna on Netflix with us. That's a day I would, uh, I'd like to don the, the UMass suit and actually coach again. But for the most part, that's a pretty accurate quote. Has Avery started using the Anna Delvey accent yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, not not yet. He he does get really delirious as the night wears on, and I was tired. I, I slept crappy the the night before, and around ten o'clock, he was telling us that the wall was made of cheese, and I'm like, I'm I'm too beat for this. I, I don't know what that even means, dude. Like you got to go to bed. That, that's that's what it's it's time to to call the show. Let's start all over again tomorrow. Hopefully, the walls aren't made of cheese. Oh my god, that's amazing. So right now, as of this moment, Matt Penny is committed to the Game Theory Podcast. We will see where the UMass coaching search lands. I think he's probably, you know, 
in the top 46. Yeah, 40, like that. For, for, 46 or 47. It did open up. My dad called me and said, all right, when are we starting the, the Matt Penny to UMass rumors? I said, probably never. But uh, I knew the the call was coming. There was a message board or two, I've been told, that, that floated my name out there, probably because of my esteemed podcasting experience next to you talking NBA draft prospects. If we're be okay, let, let's let's uh, let's take the lid off real quick. What do you want in a UMass coach? Just real oh, quick for the I, people. I, I like that, and I've actually liked the the last few UMass coaches that are there. But somebody that in in the region knows what they are, and the best players that have played at UMass have, have been from the Northeast. Marcus Camby is from Hartford. Lou Rose from Atlantic City. My crew, uh, Gary Forbes is from New York. Stefan Lasby is from Liberal Gabon, but he was. In Boston, Rayshon Freeman is from New York. Chaz Williams from New York. So someone who understands the the very uh, political but also fragile relationships that come in, in recruiting this area, New York, New Jersey, Philly, the DMV, the prep school area here. So I, not kind of a fish-out-of-water guy or the staff that doesn't have experience there. And just someone that kind of creates an identity around the program too the last – I don't know how many seasons, but 10 years or so. I, I didn't necessarily know the, the style of play that, that UMass wanted to have and what really their foundational pillars were for the program. So someone who ties all that in together and then pulls back in all the, the basketball alumni who, who do care, and, and they do, and just people are spread out all over the place. And winning cures a lot. Like you win, people start showing up again, the attendance thing, and, and all these things we say are, are coming up short. Don't come up as short anymore. Uh, and we've been spoiled. The, the part of the state's been spoiled when John Calipari took him to the Final Four in 1996. I don't anticipate that happening again, but if you can get to the tournament every couple of years, I, I think that would make a lot of people happy. I'm excited to see where they go. I mean, I feel like this is one of those jobs where you can pull from a bigger pool than what people would think, uh, as well as could like look at the smaller, like, division one low-end assistant or low-end head coaches you could look at high major assistants like it's one of those jobs where there's just such a large pool that it's almost narrowing narrowing the pool is the 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 pool is huge it's not a kiddie pool it's it's olympic style in that there's a lot of people either on their way up on their way down kind of on that level and there'll be a a wide range of, of candidates it's always building the right staff that can connect to people and connect to, to coaches and they're not starting afresh and just kind of maximizing the relationships instead of establishing them is a better way of putting it. Yeah. Okay. That was a, a mailbag question from Kyle Fogg. He, oh, he we started. read the rumors <laughs> and that's what this episode is going to be. We're going to do a mailbag episode. The last couple of weeks with Matt and I, we have not been able to answer people's mailbag questions because we have been stuck doing mock drafts and stuck <laughs> going two hours on other things, right? So we just kind of ran out of time. And we keep getting these questions in. I put out the call. We literally got over 100 questions this time so uh, for people who want questions answered. Look, I don't know how many of those we're going to get to. <laughs> yeah, Matt and we, I we got, we got 100. <laughs> for a while on every subject we talk about. We're going to make an effort to get to as many of them as possible. I don't know what that number is going to be. I would expect under half. 
but we really, really appreciate everyone who sent in a question. We really appreciate you guys engaging with the show as much as you do. Uh, please, the best way to go engage with the show, leave a review, leave a rating on yeah. Apple, uh, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's always great. You're going to be able to watch Matt Penny podcast in a UMass jersey right now. Uh, just really caring about his alma mater in a significant way. It's uh, it's beautiful. So, Penny, do you want to get started here? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. Question number one, we are getting started uh, on the Beat Farm. Uh, shout out Dwight Schrute from Farm. Beat Farm 19. Which of the four prospects, which of the top four prospects are you most confident in being able to improve their weaknesses? And he equates those to Paulo being long-term shooting and defense, Chet being strength and weight, Jabari off the dribble creation and playmaking, Jaden Ivey an in-between game offensively and defensive consistency. Well, there's, so that's awesome. And it's framed well too. And I would argue that, for three or four of those guys, they've they've actually done that in season a little bit too. And for let's start at the top. I, my answer is going to be Jaden Ivey, but I just want to cover all these quickly. Paul Bancaro ha, has been his long range shooting has been better. I know it's a Syracuse zone, but he had four threes in the first half. He did his feet set. He was in the corner, but he was hitting them. It, it was he knocked down the first one. The next one smoother, a quicker release. Chet with strength and weight. What can you do during the season? You're you're all going to lose weight. There's not much you can really do there. That's going to take a little bit of time. Jabari Smith last night uh, against Mississippi State did a little bit more playmaking, a little bit more off the yeah. dribble. It was still one or two dribbles. It wasn't like uh, the Jaden Ivey pull out ISO and you're, you're breaking down a guy and going the opposite. But there were steps. It was better. There was advancement. And for Ivy, that the in-between game offensively, I don't really know where it's at right now. And I, I was at the Wisconsin-Purdue game, and in my notes, he comes off ball screens and – doesn't really know what to do all the time, especially if he has like a little bit of space. There's one he like threw opposite. All he had to do was like turn and shoot. There's two others he like leaned in for these like weird kind of eight foot floaters. Have a floater for sure, but I don't know where that like one dribble pull up is, is missing there because the NBA is so one on one with a ball screen heavy, but he's better off when he like pulls it all the way out. He's just isolated, not even using a ball screen. Like he's yeah. he has more like offensive freedom when he's able to do that. I think it's just going to be reps with him and, and he'll get to a place where that's actually a mid-range weapon and it's not just catch and shoot from three or use those physical gifts to get to the rim and elevate and finish. Yeah, look, for guys like Jade and Ivy who can do that, it's easier for them than guys that just need a ball screen, right? right. Like yeah. in the playoffs, if you can just isolate on a guy and fucking blow by, like, and you can get to the rim consistently and then make good decisions, like we're seeing what John ja Morant can do. Mm -hmm. uh, on some level. And I don't think Jaden Ivey's John Moran. I don't think he's that explosive. Uh, John Moran is just different. Like he, oh, he's just and, a different and, and that, and um, that crazy dunk and, and full court catch. It, it's really nice to see those type of plays when you see those two guys compared to each other. And then Ja does one of those plays. It's like, Ooh, these are not the same. Jay, that's no. not Jaden Ivey. He's a special athlete. It's not Ja. No, like Jaden Ivey will be a top like 10 top, top six, maybe even point guard athlete in the NBA. John Morant is like maybe the best athlete in the NBA. Like right. it's different. There are levels to this. Um, that's why I don't really think that John Morant is all that comparable to Jaden Ivy, especially when you start accounting for the passing 
which is just on such a different level. And it always has been on such a different level than what Jaden is. None of this is disrespectful to Jaden. John Morant is probably, I mean, if he's not a first team all NBA player, he's definitely a second team all NBA Mm -hmm. player this year. We'll see who gets it out of him, DeMar DeRozan and Stephen Curry. Like it feels like that's your three guards that are kind of fighting for it. And I think right now, if I was voting, I would probably go Ja and DeMar. Uh, We'll see if that, holds over the course of the season wow that just having thought about that that's kind of crazy to me um to answer this question is kind of interesting for a number of reasons i actually don't really think paulo's defense is like it's a it's a weakness insofar as he's like stuck in between positions almost like yeah when he's on the court defensively like he's actually okay Okay, like he's smart rotationally. He knows where he needs to be. It's just that he's not that athletic and sometimes he can get finished over the top of and, you know, his positioning needs to improve just like a little bit. Right. Um, I'm worried about him just kind of being stuck in between positions a little bit more. So I don't think he's the answer to this question. Um, Chet, in terms of strength and weight. I think so much of what the answer to that is depends on your opinion about him being able to slide down to the four. I think he can personally, because I think that he can shoot over the top of fours and has enough ball handling ability uh, and passing and just like kind of different shit to his game to where he's going to be able to do that, especially early in his career. Like, look, this is where I fucked up with Evan Mobley, right? Like I, got kind of narrow-minded on him being able to play him being best at the five and not discounting his ability to play the four i thought he'd be able to play the four defensively no problem but wanting to pair him with specific player types the thing with chet is that he's so scalable on offense to almost any player type like he's so skilled and such a good passer that like you can play him next to a Jared Allen and like, I won't really have an issue with that, at least on the offensive end. And then defensively, you're getting the added bonus of having multiple seven footers out there um, with relative ease. Uh, in the case of Jabari off the dribble shot creation, you know, he, he's improving in it. Like I'm a little bit more worried about the passing to be honest than like his vision and everything. Like I, I think he's going to be able to get to a step back whenever he wants. I would like to see him continue to create um, in non-advantage situations where he can get to the basket. But like, I don't know. Like, I, I think that he might just be able to get to that step back, like with relative ease. He needs to improve his left hand. Uh, and so does Jaden Ivey, by the way. Like that right now, honestly, like even more than the in-between game offensively, Jaden Ivey's in-between game this year, like in the limited moments where we've seen it, like he's taken 28 mid-range jumpers. He's made seven of them, which is bad. Yeah. But he's made 48% of his floaters so far this year and he's taken 27 of those which is good so there's kind of a mixed bag there and i think there's enough that i've seen there to where i'm pretty okay with him just due to the floater game um defensive consistency i thought he had his best game last weekend when he played max christie uh i do wonder if he's going to be better playing guys off the ball as opposed to guys on the ball because he seems to do a better job of kind of chasing and like running around and, you know, locking and trailing and then recovering as opposed to like fighting through on ball screens. But how much of that is role? How much of that is just what Purdue wants him to do? I I don't know. Like it's, it's kind of hard to say, but 
Look, I think the biggest thing for Jaden is as much as these things is developing a left hand that he can consistently go to and then being able to read ball screens at an even higher level. Um, You know, how, how much do I think he can do that? I think that those two things are definitely developable, but they're bigger worries than for any of the other ones in terms of the way that they will bear themselves out on the NBA court. So, you know, what do you do with that? I, I don't know, but this is, I love this question. Like, yeah. I think it's a great question. If you made me pick one, I think that I would pick, I think I would, I think I would go with Jabari. Okay. If only, but like, that doesn't mean I would take Jabari one. I would still take Chet at one. I, just because I think Chet is just a more naturally complete basketball player than what Jabari is. Um, like if the only weak, there's nothing in Chet's game that really is a weakness in my. We're, we're, we're saying the, we're saying the weight, right? Like you look yeah, at all it's just the, the weight. That's just that's just physical. Like you're can he put on fifteen to twenty pounds? These other guys like can he dribble? Can he shoot? Can he play defense? For Chet, it's like can he put on muscle? Can he guard? It doesn't say it here, but more or less, like can he guard more physical? Post players, which is possible. Uh, by the but, way, but the, like, off, but the off the dribble think... stuff is there. The pull up three stuff yeah. is there. The rim protection's there. The in between pull ups there. It checks all the rest of the boxes. It's still a, a scary one to say: Is his body going to be able to withstand more muscle? And, and does he get? Ah, look, he's, he's barely two hundred pounds. I don't want to get crazy here, but do you get too bulky and then lose your game and kind of turn into more of like the Anthony Davis later years archetype, where you, you lose that shiftiness that you have as, as a more slender player. With Chet, it was funny. I was having a conversation with Chuck over at the Chucking Darts podcast, which you've been on as well. Yeah. And shout out Chuck. What up, Chuck? He brought up the idea of just like, what is the best fit with Chet Holmgren as a player? Like, wh- what center do you want to put him with to start his career? And it. he also brought up the idea of like, is Chet a valuable number one overall pick? if he can't guard like Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic and those guys. Uh, the reason being because if you think he is a five, like if you don't necessarily think he can play the four as much, if you are evaluating him more as a five, yep. he actually gives you a hole in the playoffs. He, like it's well, not just like that it's a, a, oh, like we can work around it in the regular season and everything and like make that work. Like, And it's not like he's less effective in the playoffs. He actually gives you like a problem spot in the playoffs against like a Joel Embiid. It, and if, if you're if, taking a guy at number one, like, do you want that? If it's Embiid, though, and, and I had a similar conversation this week. How many of those guys are there, though? Uh, do we get too caught up with like, well, he can't cover Jokic. Can he not cover Embiid? It's like, probably not. But like, who in the NBA can? Those guys are averaging 27 points and 12 rebounds per game. Yep. Uh, Rudy Gobert is defensive player of the year, and, and he's considered a hole in the playoffs. And most teams do go smaller. I, I feel okay with Chet. There, there's going to be mismatches no matter what. I, I just it, To a point, it's unfair where we say, can he guard the five best bigs in the league when uh, enough people that are established and have that size have the same issue? And maybe Chet can block shots a little bit more and alter shots a little bit more. He's going to be putting the rim a few times. Don't, like, don't get that twisted. He's going to take his lumps. But is it going to be as, as significant as we're kind of projecting here too? This is a really fun question. So from Grizzly Arnaz, uh, Zaire Williams Afro watch 
on Twitter. Uh, I love Twitter. I'm a completely horrible basketball player who can't dribble or defend. What percentage would I have to hit on open threes from 41 feet to get minutes (laughs) in the NBA? Uh, Wow. Like how much of a zero are we talking here defensively? Like all out. I think we're talking like like gets cooked by. I think we're talking gets cooked by like Stephen Adams off the dribble. Oh, it's gonna have to be astronomically high then, right? It would have to be like NBA record type stuff because it's still three points. We're we're not playing MTV Rock and Jock, where it's like a a fifty point basket or like a a hot spot that costs seven points. Still three points from forty one feet. So yeah, and at some point (laughs) they're gonna guard forty nine percent. Right, they're going to guard you, then you're playing four and four. Yeah, so like you're not getting those open threes, which means you are playing four on four, which I think is like a valuable... We want to talk pace and space. That's the epitome of it. Yeah, that, like that's a really valuable situation for <laughs> NBA players offensively, but like you're giving away so much on defense. I don't know if there's a percentage. No, it's, that's some wild stuff. If, if it... it, it if you shot yeah, 50% they're gonna, they're from there, it's, it's still – they're going to guard you. That's, that's the other missing link here. So it's essentially like what is the – like what is the math on like playing four-on-four four offense versus five-on-five five, like oh, that's like a, really five-on-four an, offense? An, an I, I don't Darwin think there's a percentage. Question. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's very high. It'll break my brain thinking of it. I'm sure it's actually an equation that, that works and that's – part of like algebra two which doesn't apply to real life but like this is one of the the times it actually does i just don't know what what theorem we have to use to solve that but like if we're assuming that you know completely horrible basketball player here um we need to assume that like he could never separate to get open <laughs> right All right just like so a launcher. Like it's, just, it's, it's just like one of those. Uh, do you remember they made that robot a few years ago that just like didn't miss threes, yeah. just had like a launcher? Is it just that? Or just like wheeling that guy side to side? Yeah, look, like like Marty it, and Stop and Shop, the robot that just goes around, just has like a launcher on him, just chucking it. So you're you're even like six foot eight. Like uh, yeah, roughly. I, I don't even know like if six foot eight is tall enough to do. Like I was trying to think. Oh of, no, like, yeah, you, you have to you'd have be tall because it have to be just like a chuck where they can't they can't even block it. Yeah. I think you'd have to be seven feet tall, and I think the percentage is probably like at that height, forty six. Forty nine. I can't yeah. believe we're actually analyzing this, but that, that's a good one. I love that question. That's an amazing question. Okay. Oh man. From Ryan W. Golden at not Rion on okay. Twitter. Where would the last 10 number one picks fall if they were on this 2022 NBA draft board? I love this question. I think this is such a good question. Do we want to start from, do you want to start 2021 and work our way backwards here? Yeah, let's work our way backward. So so Cade would go number one. Cade would go first. Yes. Yes. Well, hold on. Are we doing like uh, time of the draft or like what we know now too? Because the argument the is draft. like, okay, all right. Time of the draft, like yep. where where they were evaluated as prospects. Yep. Um, all right. Like Markel Fultz, like we didn't know that he had thoracic outlet syndrome, and like there, you know, may have been like confidence okay. questions or something so like that. T- right. T- time of the draft. Yeah, uh, Anthony Edwards. 
I think he's still I would say first. I think I would say two behind chat for me. Yeah, may, maybe it's team based if we're yeah. getting specific, and and that's just my brain a little bit cloudy too, knowing that it actually worked. Yeah, and, and I had Lamelo at number one that year, and yeah, I would take Lamelo over these guys. But um, okay, Zion Williamson, twenty nineteen. He go, in twenty nineteen. He goes first. No, like he goes unequivocally. first, and it's not even a question. Twenty eighteen, DeAndre Ayton. Ooh, that's a good one. I think he goes first. I yeah, think that still first. Yeah, he he would just would go first because teams would look at the numbers. But, I think he averaged like nineteen and like nine, and it, yeah. he just physically like looks different. Like he'd go first. I think he he would go first. He he does look different, but it, it would be a nice kind of parallel or, or comparison between these two guys because they're more clearly shooting bigs, and and DeAndre has shown he, he's showing shooting more three pointers now, but it's more of a to the block beast get up and down the court, rim run, block some shots, where, yeah. where Chet and Jabari do that, but not quite like the finisher on the interior. So it, it would, those guys all be brought in for workouts, put it that way. Yeah. Uh, Markel Fultz in 2017, that is. I, look, I'm, I, I can't do revisionist. I loved Markel Fultz. I probably would take him first and be wrong. Uh, but he, like, Here's how you know he would go first. Uh the Philadelphia 76ers traded two like lottery picks for him, <laughs> essentially. Like yeah. he would go first, I mm-hmm. think. Like I don't even think it's close. Um Ben Simmons in 2016. Still first. I agree. Uh Carl Anthony Towns in 2015. Still first. Yep. Uh Andrew Wiggins in 2014. Still first. I think he would still go first. That's one where I'm like a little bit questionable on it, because Right, but we're also still we're always searching for like the next best wing, and that's kind of what he was, despite Kansas being up and down. Didn't end with a a great tournament game, but again, we're not. He would have gone first. Yeah. Um. Twenty thirteen, Anthony Bennett. This is oh god, he's he would go. That I mean, that was the real last number one pick shocker that people were surprised by. Uh, I had Anthony Bennett 10th on my board that. Oh year. my God. Okay. And they took him at one. He would go, not first. I mean, put it that way. He would go no. behind Shep, behind Jabari, behind. Uh, would he go like sixth? I think he would go behind Johnny Davis. Behind AJ I Griffin? He would go behind AJ Griffin. If Shaden Sharp's in the draft, you go behind him. Yep. We go behind Keegan Murray. Yes. Similar player types. Keegan has, you know, 23 and 9 at Iowa. Yes. He's going behind Keegan Murray, I think. Yeah. So we're at least at like seven. Yeah. 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 So, so somewhere around seven like, I would even say like, yeah, like 10. Like yeah, so, right somewhere right. like seven to 10. Yeah. Okay. And then Anthony uh, Davis then is first. One, yeah. Anthony Davis first. Kyrie's an interesting one in 2011. Oh, is I don't know that Kyrie goes games. ahead of Chet. Yeah. Like, do you think he would go two or three? Uh, I still think Kyrie goes one. I do. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's questionable. Like, I'm it, not. It's, it's, it's questionable. Kyrie would have went first. I, it was a shortened Duke season, but he had enough buzz and build coming out of high school into that season. It's still. Yeah. 
still guard dominant and he's head and shoulders above i think any other guard that would be on the board there um i want to skip that one okay um we kind of answered this a little bit at the top, but I didn't really ask you about your opinion on this from AP senior 32. I love Chet, but I'm scared of his thin frame. Is he quick enough laterally to play as a four or dare say the three? Not the three. I, I can't say the three, the four uh, yeah. serviceable and he, he recovers well enough that like, I don't think you need like the back end protection. I'd be leery of it, but I'm okay with him becoming a four. The three it's that's not because it, it's who do you defend? And it's a different question in, college basketball versus the nba like who are threes in the the NBA? is he going to guard demar Derozan? like cut it out like no way yeah yeah no that's right um which player do you project to have the biggest impact as a rookie next year not mm. at all considering long-term potential just essentially who would be your pick right now to win rookie of the year in 2023 in the nba paul bancaro which i think is probably like a little confusing for people because i have him like fifth but i i see him as being more of a immediate impact type of guy that like gets points on a bad team not necessarily not against him chet's gonna take time i think it might take two to three years and i don't like making the Giannis comparisons at all but just body type and you look at Giannis's rookie numbers and his second year numbers he averaged like 10 points per game i could see chet doing that people yeah. saying it's a bust then year three, we look up, we say, oh, my God, how do we miss? If the body yeah. clicks and, and all that stuff. Jabari Smith, yeah. the, the shot's always going to be there. If the off-the-dribble stuff isn't there, it might take a little time. Jaden Ivey, potentially. But I, I, I think I'd say Ben Caro or, or Jaden Ivey. Those are my two guys. Yeah. I, I wouldn't sleep on Keegan Murray here either. I can see Keegan stepping in and having like a pretty real offensive impact. I think Paulo would also be my pick, though. Um that was from Brendan Bolander uh, from thoughts underscore draft. Do you see a Richard Lewis career arc for Jabari Smith? Uh, is that worth a number one pick in this draft? That's a good question. So I'll, I'll throw that to you. And then somebody else threw like throw it on, on Twitter. I forget who it is like Danny Granger. I don't know if he's it's like the same person throughout Danny Granger. Yeah. There you go. So we're, <laughs> we're double dipping. Is he one of those guys? Is, is that how you kind of view him as I see like a little bit more, versatility like Rashad Lewis was a bad boy like don't don't get me wrong there either Rashad Lewis uh, I'm looking up his peak now um Rashad is one of my like random like favorite players from the 2000s like I actually kind of love from him. which team so this that's, is that's part of it too so I, look I, I liked him more in those like late Seattle years Ooh, where he was going. like going to magic. awesome yeah yeah I mean, he, he was great with the magic, he too. Was. don't get me wrong. But in those late Seattle years, his final three years in Seattle, that got him that like enormous contract from Orlando that was, I think it was like, I think it was over a hundred million, if I remember correctly. Uh, it might have been like 90 or something like that. Um, Richard Lewis averaged 21 points, six rebounds, two assists, one steal, uh, while shooting 46% from the field, 39% from three, and 81% from the line. Uh, that was in the mid-2000s, so you probably can up those numbers a little bit based yeah. off of pace and space. So you'd probably be talking 23, six, three assists, shooting that well from three. Um, honestly, if Jabari's that, like that's pretty dang good. Probably pretty happy with that to be honest Richard, uh he made two all-star games uh over the course of his career 
I think he, I think Jabari's a little bit different in that I think he's a little bit laterally quicker than what yeah. Rashard Lewis was. Um, so I think he can probably make a little bit more of an impact defensively. But that's not a bad, that's not, not a bad comparison. Like people are going to like hear the name Rashard Lewis and think like, oh, that's like not what we're looking for from a number one overall pick. Frankly, probably right. Like, I, look, and I have Jabari too. Um, but I don't know. That's if you told me I was getting Rashard Lewis right now, I, I would take, take I would take Jabari Smith yeah. at number two without question. Yeah, they they kind of have that same stiff type jumper too, like upright, stiff, yep. over the head. That Rashard had a little bit more of a dip, if I remember correctly, on yeah. on the catch. Yeah, but that that's kind of where we get like tied up a little bit with the player comp stuff. Wow, we can't take Rashard Lewis first or second. And you look at the numbers. If you, you can get a guy first or second. The average is 23 and six and shoots 40% from three. I, I think I'm taking them. Yeah. And that's over his three year peak. Honestly, like you extend out, like Richard Lewis is good for a long time. Like you go from 2002 to 2009. So that's going to be eight seasons. Uh, he only missed more than 10 games in a season once. Uh, and over the course of that time, he averaged 19.6 rebounds, two assists, uh, and shot 39% from three. So, like, you give me eight years of 19.6 rebounds, two assists, good defense. That's pretty great career. Multiple that's all-star a great, teams. That's a, that's a great career yeah. for the top three pick. And I don't have the analytic thing pulled up the numbers of how many players have hit, like, those milestones together. I bet it's not a big list. Yeah, if you're talking number one, I think that's probably uh, – so I went through a few days ago and looked at the last ten – first overall picks the average all-star teams that the last 10 first overall picks and i think i went from like 2016 to 2007 is mm-hmm. so like i got right they, they had um, enough time it wasn't like a, yeah. a guy's first year as a rookie like oh he didn't make the game like that doesn't right. work yeah right and this is probably underselling it a little bit too because you have guys like carl towns who are going to make multiple all-star teams and ben simmons might make a few more all-star teams those guys made on average 3.6 all-star games uh, over the course of their career. So you take Richard Lewis at one. It probably isn't the sexiest pick. You're probably not all that ecstatic about it. You take him at two. I think you're probably pretty happy though. Right. But we're not, okay. gonna, we're not always going to get it right either. The first pick in the draft isn't always going to be a 10 time all-star clearly Very as you, as you've done the stats. Yeah. Um, okay. From Bradley Pearson. This is a question that you and I talked a lot about. Uh, this is one of our favorite topics Uh um who is the most likely player to benefit from the malachi effect in the 2022 nba draft for people who don't remember the malachi effect is essentially named after malachi richardson terrific wing at syracuse who worked his way from like being i don't know like the 50th or 60th ranked prospect to going in the first round i think at like 21 22 something like that that. Um, I remember that, uh, I think the Kings took him, mm-hmm. uh, and they traded Marco Bellinelli for the pick to acquire, uh, Malachi Richardson. Cause my brain is irreparably broken. Um, <laughs> so the idea here is what player is going to use the NCAA tournament to spike up the board, uh, while maybe it being a little bit of a mirage based off of what we've seen the entire season. I have about four names. We'll start with one, and we can tennis ball it back and forth. 
First one, yeah. and, and you said it, and as soon as you did, I was like, that's the guy. I, I think it's Caleb Houston from Michigan. And I also want to start by saying the Malachi effect doesn't always have to be negative either. It can just be like the, the late surge. Maybe it worked out. Maybe it didn't. Caleb Houston's last three games, he had 16 points, 21 points, and 21 points. He's 9 for 14 from three. The feet is not going to get there, I, I don't think. But can he be a, a knockdown shooter at six foot eight? that enough GMs yeah. say, maybe that fits with our athletic guards and we plug and play him there? I'd be scared. It, it seems like that's the name of the first guy that comes to mind for me, though. Yep. Uh, the second guy that came to mind for me was in the same state, actually. It was Max Christie yep. uh, out of Michigan State. Uh, Max is in a place where he, frankly, should be going back to Michigan State right now. If we're being just completely transparent, right? Mm-hmm. Shooting 38% from three or 38% from the field, 31 from three. Uh, he looks overmatched like a decent amount of the time on the court. Like you look at the way Jaden Ivy just like swallowed him athletically. Uh, it was not good. Like those are the guys that he's going to be facing uh, every night in the right. NBA. E- even, like, even like, even like low end facing every night. And Jaden Ivy did the second year and went back with Max. He just did have 11 points against Purdue on five to 10 shooting. He had nine points on four of 12 shooting versus Michigan. So you see it. I mean, they've also lost four or five, but you, you see it as the, a guy that people could get overexcited about. Right. Uh, if you would have a great tournament and Michigan state is the team that always makes runs in March. Uh, if he had a great tournament, that could be one. Like that could really substantially be one. Um, you're up next. Go ahead. Yeah, probably another one I'm stealing for you. Peyton Watson from UCLA. He hasn't had more than one. two points since January 27th in a game, but he's still six foot eight, still long, defends. He can switch. He looks the part. Uh, always has. And when will the production be consistent? I, I thought he was turning the corner at one point of the year. He hasn't. It's kind of been a, a step back. I'd say it, he's tantalizing as a prospect. He should go back to school, pieces together a couple games with a good run from UCLA. Could see it. Could happen. The bummer is here that it requires being on a good team. Uh, the guy that I've been really impressed with the last couple of weeks is Bryce McGowan's. Uh, yeah. I think he's been really, really good. And I, I do want to mention, like, I think Bryce McGowan's has been really, really, really good over the last little while here. And I think if they were set up for an NCAA tournament run, like, he could really spike up the board. Uh, I, he's not really a Malachi effect guy, but I'm just kind of using the, like, time use here. Use the platform. Uh, yeah, use the platform. Just to, like, mention, Bryce McGowan's has been really, really good over uh, like the last that. few weeks. And you and I have been as skeptical of him as I feel like anyone. Well, uh, we were, but I, I think he's going to go in the first round. To be honest, really high early, early in the year. We, yeah, I, we I were. projected him in the in the lottery to start. And I, I've watched his last two games. I, I have a, a video I'm going to put up there tomorrow. I broke down some film. He had 25 points in his last two games and looks more confident shooting, doing more stuff off the dribble. Like he, again, he he could be a guy that that surges. It's his window is closing because they're not going to be a tournament team. And the the last guy I want to mention, and I, I don't. I really like him in the 40s right now, but Julian Strother from Gonzaga, I was overzealous yeah. with him early in the year. Uh, I had him kind of like the 30th range, and now just coming back to reality, I don't think that's going to happen. He's been in double figures, eight of his last 10, shooting 51% from the field, 39 from three, 71 from free throw line. He fits playing next to scores. He's playing next to Drew Timmy and, and Chet Holmgren. He plays hard. He defends. The shot looks right. He's sort of a jack of all trades at six foot seven. He makes a big junior year jump if he goes back to school, too. Yeah. Okay, let's take a quick commercial break. 
we're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, for instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash gametheory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash gametheory to claim your account. nordvpn.com slash gametheory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash gametheory. Okay, we're back. Noah H, uh, Noah TH11 on Twitter asks, who is slash are the first round prospects with the widest evaluation ranges? Um, this is a good one. I think that like you have to split it between like, who is the prospect that like the internet has a very That's high good. range on mm -hmm. versus like NBA teams? Like the internet really likes Kennedy Chandler a lot. Um, that's like a very, and that like kind of fundamentally creates a very wide range. I feel like, um, the fact that Kennedy Chandler, you know, is considered like a borderline lottery pick by people in the internet or on the internet. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Have you talked to anyone that has him in that range right now on the team side? I have not. No. Yeah. I, I don't think I have either. Um, really, so that, really that would not, be really one that stands out to he, me. And, and he, another guy, he's playing better. He is, he's scoring more. Uh, showing a little bit more burst off the bounce. That, that's a good name. Another one that might be an unpopular one to say is Kendall Brown. You could tell oh, me he goes, yeah. You could tell me he goes 10th. You could yeah. tell me he goes 27th, and I wouldn't feel too strongly about yeah. either of them, depending on the night. 
if he's looking at the basket and driving and rebound and defending. And then there's other nights defensively that he like actually kind of checks out a little bit. If the offense isn't there and the defense isn't to that level, I could see him as late first round pick. If he goes in the tournament and Baylor goes in a run and he's shooting threes a little bit smoother and they're the last game I watched, he hit two of them and he caught it and it was good. It, it looks right. He's getting up and down. I could see him on 12th. That, that's a, a wide range for me too. My bank account uh, hopes that Kendall Brown is engaged and Baylor goes on a run because <laughs> uh, I, I have I, I made some early season investments in Baylor that have paid off swimmingly thus far, given that they are uh, number two in Ken Palm at this point. Okay. Uh, and, and don't, are get, a legit... don't get too greedy. If you already made a little bit, don't don't search for the whole thing. Well, I, I mean, I've made a little bit on them like game to game, but uh I have some long-term, like I bet on them to win the Big 12. That might not come through. I would need Kansas to lose a game here uh, against TCU and Texas. But well, they, just, both home. they just lost to TCU, so they have again. They, they, I need one more loss from Kansas, basically, for that to come through. Um, or no, 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 no. They're both, they're both at four conference losses now because Baylor beat them earlier. Yeah, no, I just need Baylor to, I think, beat Iowa State maybe. Wow, yeah, you're, make, you're making beautiful. money on the air as we record. That's yeah. the magic of of internet podcasting. Yeah, we're at um, I think I got them at like six or seven to one to win the Big Twelve. It's like, pretty good. Beautiful. It was absolutely glorious. Um, okay. Next up, let's see here. Who is the best college basketball team in the country without a realistic NBA draft prospect? This is a fantastic oh question. God, man, you, you go first. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up Ken Palm here as you go first and say who that is. I think it's actually kind of an easy one, to be honest. Um, I, I think it's Houston. So you're not sure off the Marcus Sasser train. Well, he's not playing. Like he's right, there. but he's okay. I agree, but he gets drafted. We say he went to Houston, but like currently on the roster right now, yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, like among, among teams that uh, among players that have played in the calendar 2022 year <laughs> like <laughs> yeah that that that's a good one uh are and you Tremont mark too is another guy that's a lot of time good. for them as well and I, I think that like non-zero chance to play in the nba but yeah like josh carlton kyler edwards shamal shed fabian white like I, I don't think those guys are making the nba where yeah it, it depends on your definition of making the nba too are they on a roster are they playing like texas tech are you a kevin mcculler fan or adonis arms fan i think we are but if you told me that yeah adonis arms wasn't on an nba team i'd say you're, you're not crazy i mean those are the two yeah. as i scroll here st mary's yeah, I, I, I like one. kevin mcculler enough to where and like look terrence shannon's gonna get an opportunity in that's the NBA true Jeez, man. Shows, athleticism. yeah I, I can't believe i whiffed on him i was a big fan last year just ha- hasn't really necessarily produced at the same level yeah um but they like the, look i think they are like realistic question a uh, real answer to this but i i think that they are probably a level below houston yeah that's good um that's good Broke my brain that's a well. great question i like that question a lot um yeah, let's see here. Let's see here. Why is Dyson Daniels going to be the best two-way guard in this draft? I, I don't think he is. If he right. was, I would take him at number four. four. I'd take him out of Jaden <laughs> Ivey. Um, I understand the point here. I do think Dyson Daniels is the best defensive guard in the draft. It's just like, you know, his offense is going to be a little bit of a ways away. I think. Yeah. If we're talking about – if by two-way we're talking about – is he the best defensive guard in the draft? Yeah, I agree. 
I think he is. He, he is that. And, and we've kind of undersold some of the question marks offensively too. Like the jumper still needs to get better. He's still not blowing by better. His handle is good, but it's still a high dribble. He's still going to have to turn his back a lot to, to guards the NBA. He, he has to iron stuff out. I have him in the top 10. Feels a little high. This draft, nothing's normal. So I don't feel too crazy about it either. Yeah. Um, from Steve Peltier. Dear Matt Penny and Sam Vecini, can you give some time in the future, please, to talk about the Mountain West and give them some love? Uh, talk about the probability of guys like Bryce Hamilton, Matt Bradley, Orlando Robinson, and Matt Penny clone Justin Bean <laughs> uh, ending up as oh, round man. two selections. Um, yeah, let, let's let's talk about them a little bit. Didn't even mention our. Uh, Thick God, David Roddy. Oh, Roddy. Uh, we've, given him a, we, we've given him enough love, I think. We have. Uh, so you, there's actually another guy that wasn't mentioned there that I like a little bit more than uh, some of these guys that have been mentioned. But let's uh, let's talk about Orlando Robinson. He's probably the best one here. I just worry about the foot speed at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah. He has a very real chance to go in the second round. Someone might take him. Uh, he's seven foot with a seven foot four wingspan and can really shoot. Uh, that's can, that's kind of a critical can, can shoot and it. he can block shots too yeah but it's weird too he doesn't fly off the floor like he blocks a lot of shots because he is longer like in that league just kind of over the top but when he gets in the post it's a lot of like pump fake first lean into you like not the traditional kind of nba type center stuff that that was what i i don't think i missed because it wasn't my board but remember ej onu last year said well if, if he kind of puts it together it just it was still i know different players but like sort of those missing yeah. pieces to complete the puzzle yeah, I agree with that. Uh, we've talked a lot about Roddy. Matt Bradley is just like purely an athleticism question. Yeah. Um, he's done a great job. Like, I don't know if you remember him on the prep level, but like he was a pure driver, like finished through contact, had good touch for sure, but like didn't really shoot all that much from distance. Uh, he's done a great job of putting himself in as much of a position as possible to be a professional basketball player at a high level, I think he's going to end up in Europe and be a great player there. Yeah. I, I remember the name when, when he started Cal, right. And then, and then transferred, yeah. he was a, a pretty good get there and he's improved. And uh, a guy that's found a second home and found a way to thrive at San Diego state too. Yeah. Uh, Justin Bean, you know, popular, you know, kind of statistical name as much as yes. anything, 63 true shooting percentage, 24 defensive rebounding rate, 16 assist rate, you know, good steal rate for a big man, shoots 48% from three. If he shoots 48% from three, why can't he be Steve Novak? But, you know, <laughs> I, I have some questions about his athleticism levels and how that's going to move up levels. Yeah, that's it, it's hard. I, I watched games early in the year and I kind of saw – that I didn't necessarily buy the translation. I wanted to. Anytime you see a, a clone of yourself, you want to see them succeed. But I, it, there's going to be some mountains to climb for him to get there. Yeah, top top 100 player for me. Um, I've heard some scouts bring up the name Emmanuel Acott. Started his career at Arizona. You know, six foot eight, long arms. You know, shoots forty percent from three. I don't really see it athletically for him personally. Um, you know, he's pretty good on defense but i think it's just going to be a tough sell moving up levels uh the guy that i really like that i don't think has gotten enough love is hunter maldonado it oh wyoming. man wyoming yeah i have a uh, uh my buddy maddie in the office is a, a huge wyoming basketball hunter maldonado fan he comes in every day saying 
why is it Hunter Maldonado talked about more? And we've reached that day, I guess, here. Well, it's shooting. I mean, he can't shoot is the problem. And we have enough evidence now to say that Hunter can't shoot. But he does literally everything else. Like he's 58 true shooting percentage, uh, 38.5 assist rate, draws a ton of fouls. Look, I don't know if it's translatable. I'm not sure. But has a shot to be a top 100 guy for me at the end of the year. And he's like, I feel like nobody has mentioned him as an NBA prospect this year. No, I don't think so either. And... You know, just here's here's the way I phrased it to an agent that asked me about him. He makes life easier for everyone else on Wyoming's team. Um, and he's the reason that they're so good. I know Graham E.K. gets like the love and everything, but um, Hunter Maldonado is the guy there. I think like he's he's unbelievable. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to be a, uh, you know, NBA player or not. I bring him into camp. I, yeah, I, I have camp, enough interest in camp. And find what, out. What about Bryce Hamilton from UNLV? I mean, a senior, I think he gets forgotten about a little bit. He does yeah. average almost 22 points per game, 44% of the field, 37% from three. He's a bucket getter, man. I mean, he scored 30 or more five times. He had 45 on Colorado State, which included eight three-pointers. I get he over dribbles. Like, he, he loves that step back, pull back, rip back, rake back dribble, back by back. Kind of like Tyrese Rice had back in the day at Boston College. Uh, so I've watched them a few times, and also their court like hurts my eyes. Like the skyline of Nevada on the bottom, it's like them in Oregon. I'm like doing like a magic eye exercise every time they get up and down. I- I'd bring to camp. I-, I don't know if he's necessarily a draft guy, but scores enough where it, it opens some eyes. Yeah, scores enough. He's improved enough as a shooter. Uh, look, his the diet of shots he takes is just Ooh, insane. Significant. <laughs> like it's absolutely and all he can insane. and all he can shoot buffet. Yeah, I mean. Not my kind of like not my player type personally, as I uh, you know battle through some throat yeah. issues here. But not not my player type personally. But we'll get a shot for sure. Yep. Uh, okay. Important question from Andy Mitz. Andy Mitz twelve on Twitter. Uh, is a hot dog a sandwich, and why oh, is the answer no? This this could be a whole podcast. It could. Do you want to start? It's not a sandwich. I'll start. Not a sandwich. It's a I don't dog. think it's a sandwich. I don't either. It infuriates me when people say it's a sandwich. How's a sandwich? I know they justify it. Say, well, it's bread, it's meat in the middle, but it's not. It's like on a bun and not a sandwich. No. Not a sandwich. Did I you think see? There needs did you see? They did, yeah, they did some thing with I think, Team USA a few years ago with someone's outside asking the players as they come out, and it was kind of like split. Most people did say it was a sandwich. I can't remember who said yeah. it was or it wasn't, but it, it's a I debate. Agree. Like this is a, a spirited thing across many levels and layers not just draft twitter yeah this this is why you and i are friends and we get along <laughs> this is a hot dog is not a sandwich there needs to be separation between bun have you watched hunter maldonado slash do you think a hot dog's a sandwich that's basically our text messages at uh at night it really is actually and then like <laughs> yeah i watched uh watched the batman last night <laughs> well then um, I, I assume you're still watching it it's about eight hours long it's very long. It's very, very long. We'll talk about that at the end. Um, from Thunder underscore draft, not including hindsight, what are the biggest screw-ups that you can remember by a team in the draft? We've kind of answered this before. Yeah. I mean, drafting Yorios Papianis in the lottery is just fucking insane. Yeah, that was that was crazy. Anthony Bennett at the time felt crazy and yeah. played itself out to actually be crazy. Uh, we're... we're putting on the goggles and the the way back thing to yeah markel fultz and trading those picks to end up 
being Jason Tatum probably wasn't wasn't the best move. Yeah. Um that was that's with hindsight though. Like not Correct. including hindsight, Correct. this guy said. Um from Zach Q NBA, who is this year's Jaden McDaniels slash JT Thor? So by that he means like late first round guy that's like a six foot nine, six foot ten wing with three and D potential. Uh Peyton Watson is the is the first one, I guess, as I'm scrolling yeah. here with my six nine ish type guys. You know, doesn't I'm, make threes yet though, is the problem. Yeah, it's it, it's a hard fit. I'm contractually obligated to say Josh Meinhardt. What are I the think names? that might be the answer, to be honest. And he what doesn't make threes either yet, but that's... No, the shots and adventure with the shoulders and the twists and the turns. But those yeah. those are probably the names because I think Patrick Baldwin's like strangely becoming that guy, which is weird. I didn't think I'd be saying that when we talked about yeah. it early in the year, but he kind of fits that bill. But no, no defense for him, though. You could argue no shooting. I mean, what do you shoot? Thirty-two percent from three. No, let's let's be real, right? It's like we we thought he was going to be a, a top five pick. He didn't shoot it well. Didn't really defend well. Yeah. But he could become that guy. I, I still believe in him. I still think he's a first round pick. Yeah, I do too. He, he's going to fi- figure it out. But he just didn't do it this year. Um, I don't know that that guy exists in this class. Do you? No, I mean I'm I'm scrolling my own. <laughs> I get called out for this. So do you guys talk about your board? Where is your board? I don't know, man. It's on a Google sheet. Relax. Uh, I'm yeah, scrolling here. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I, I have plans for the Matt Penny draft board. Don't you worry, <laughs> folks. We I do the plans. Penny 20. So then if I, I screw up 21 through 60, like we're fine. But <laughs> Here's the name. This guy won't go in the first round. Dom Barlow. Oh, interesting. I, I like Dom Barlow, but he's not a like, first round pick. He can go to the 50s yeah, like, or something like that. And he shot it better the last month or two with overtime elite new jersey kid uh has improved the percentages have gotten up and that would be the the role that the expectation he is once he gets drafted yeah like six eight six nine you know hopefully can shoot definitely pretty, athletic pretty strong, athletic I mean, and can trail the play and then pick and pop or do dribble handoff stuff shoot some threes not a bad one yeah but then again like i wasn't convinced that jt thor could shoot threes last year either so like that's I guess kind of what we're looking for here Um, from draft deeper shout out, Nathan. Uh, Is it more likely for Bryce McGowan's to be drafted in the first round or go back to school? I think draft first round. round. Yeah. Don't even think it's close. Doors close. Um, We got a couple of questions on the Arkansas. uh, Yeah. Like all SEC players base, basically Uh, from Andy Robinson. I think we got another one from, is it uh, Sherbon Fakimi? If I remember correctly, um, if if I got your name wrong, sorry, I'm just going off of memory, like with the like names that scroll through my Twitter feed. Um, thoughts on Arkansas's guys, J.D. Note and Jalen Williams. Uh, I, I, I like Jalen considerably more, but I'll let you go. No, no, no. I want to ask you a Jalen Williams trivia question first, if you're up for it. Yeah, let's do it. I'm in. So in 1998 and 1999 season, Shane Battier took 35 charges. How many charges has Jalen Williams taken this season? Oh, God. It was funny. I was just, I, uh, like hit Stucky up on Twitter. Shout out Stucky at Action Network. He mentioned that Jalen Williams, like, was getting super charge happy, uh, last night against LSU. And I was like, that's kind of who he is. Like, it's kind of what he does, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, but, and, and if you remember Shane Battier, this was like celebrated. Like, people in the Duke stands would have like American Express charge card posters with like his face yeah. as like the guy. Like, he was the guy. 
I don't know if it's been talked about enough. How many charges has Jalen Williams taken? And it could have gone up by like one or two during the last game. So what Arkansas has played, let's say 27 games, right? Roughly. Yeah, they've played 30 now. Okay. And Shane Batty had 35. I'm going to guess he's at like 38. I think it's probably like 1.7. 47 charges. He has more. He has like 10 more charges than he does block shots. That's insane. It is insane. He's a great positional defender. Like that's the whole pitch behind Jalen Williams is he's a great positional defender. He has incredible feel for the game, like unbelievable, unreal feel for the game. And I think that he takes those charges because he knows he's not super long. He's not explosive athletically, especially like in terms of vertical pop. So like he needs to do something to be able to protect the rim. And that's his way to protect the rim basically by taking charges right underneath the basket. That shit doesn't fly in the NBA. <laughs> no, no. Well, you'll do that and some refs be like, yeah, man, get up. You, you just got dunked on. But he, he's yeah. six foot, he's six foot ten. He knows he's not really a shot blocker. He averages, I think, just over one a game, but he's been productive. He's had seven straight double doubles. Right. And it's against good competition. It was against Auburn, Tennessee, Florida, yeah. LSU last night. And he, he takes his time. And it's the same thing offensively. He takes his time in the post. It's more like footwork to beat his man than like, I'm going to raise up and, and dunk over you and his release points are, are low. It's always like an up fake yeah. lean in or, or something like that. Seems to have decent hands. He's comfortable trailing the play, but he's a 24% three point shooter, a little bit better facing up from mid range. I, I like the energy. I, I like the effort level. I, I have to get over the hurdle of the size and shooting. And I'd be interested right now in the second round. I'm, I'm not as heavy as some people say he's the top 20. Um, but yeah, I no. see the production. No, I, and, and like you didn't even mention the best skill for me, which is the passing. Like he's yeah, a great passing big. Yep. Like you can run dribble handoffs with him with ease. You can run short rolls. He can hit kickouts. He can hit dump offs. Like he can put the ball on the ground a little bit. Um, just a very dexterous player who who has a lot of like skill level. Um, definitely a center. He's he's actually good guarding ball screens too. Um, I don't know how effective he will be guarding ball screens in the NBA. Because a lot of that is just having like enough lateral quickness to be able to slide. And I don't know that he has that. Um, on top of that, like I, I think guys are going to finish at the top of him pretty easily. Oh, yeah. In the I NBA. Um, and he has to play center because he's not quick enough. I, I want to love Jalen Williams. So like I, I want to absolutely be all in on Jalen Williams as a prospect. And I just can't do it. Like I, I see him as like a second rounder like maybe he gets into like incredible shape and adds some vertical pop and athleticism but i don't know man i i uh i struggle with this one because like he has everything that i like in terms of feel for the game intelligence processing ability but i i just can't get there physically with him yeah that's fair and, and what about jd note is it is it more he's 23 years old he'll be 24 as a rookie yeah uh, He's not going to win, but look, he's a national player of the year, at least candidate conversation for, for what he's done there. And no. six foot two. No. Oh, oh, he was on like the finalist list of like the top 10 or whatever that came out. I'm pretty sure. That's crazy. If he's on that list, that list is wrong. Well, I mean, there's he's, a, there's he's an all list. SEC player, but like, let's, 
let's not go nuts here. Like 30 he's... ball, 30 ball against Kentucky a week ago, 13 from 26 from the field. Third time he's had 30 or more during the year. Yeah. He, he's, Great. he's a gamer. He, he had 12, he had 12 against LSU. He had 13 against Tennessee. <laughs> he had 12 against Alabama, like 14 against Mississippi state, 15 against West Virginia. Like he's a great player. And like, look, like he's been in double digits. I think every single game this year, which is an accomplishment in and of itself, like his bad games are still um, productive from a mm-hmm. points perspective. He's not my kind of guy. Like, again, like we kind of talked earlier about these score heavy, dribble heavy guards. He's just not scalable at all to the NBA to like winning situations. He has to have the ball in his hands, which means given that he's going to be 24 before he ever plays an NBA game. Well, yeah, maybe 24 that October. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to have to be good enough to play in the NBA from day one and good enough not just to play in the NBA. But to have the ball in his hands as a decision maker from day one in the NBA. That, that's the, a great point. That, that's a great point because that's what people I think missed on it a little bit with Duarte. He still went high. It's not like people like struck out. Yes. He was ready to go day one. He was productive day one. The first few weeks, like, what did he miss? He didn't miss anything. Like this might be the the highest we go here. I don't know how much he develops, but he was ready. That that's what you get for drafting an older player. If the player isn't ready and is already old, that's a, a tough mix. But with Duarte, he was scalable to be able to play off the ball. Absolutely. That's what's different here. Like, J.D. Note is a 32% three-point shooter who turns the ball over quite a bit still. Three again. And uh, I don't know, man. Not not for me. Like, great college season, great college player. Um, Would definitely be their second best player, in my opinion, behind Jalen Williams. Like, having him as a top 10 player in the country is crazy to me like he's can, not the best player on you, their team in my opinion with, you can deal with the arkansas fans do you see they're like doing the the big thing when john calipari was out to dinner out there you can deal with them yeah i i love this arkansas team i loved watching Jalen williams i love watching stanley stanley amude like that guy's a really good defender and a really good three-point shooter like if i'm being completely honest i might rather bet on him than bet on jd note knowing that like that's like nowhere near where people are on JD Note, but like Stanley really defends and like he actually can shoot a little bit. Like it's just a cleaner role fit, I think, in the NBA. Um, yeah, I, I, not not for me with JD Note. Um, I get it though. Like I, I get why people are intrigued. Okay, um, let's see here. We've got. Where are we at with Michael Foster's stock post All Star Weekend? Are there any negative implication for prospective G League Ignite guys with him being left out of the Rising Stars Challenge? Look, I think the fact that he was left out of the Rising Stars Challenge kind of says where NBA executives are on Michael Foster right now. I know he's been productive, but it's um, you know they're worried about the way that it works at the next level for him. In, in fairness to him, too, the guys ahead of him, which was who. Marshawn Beauchamp, Jaden yep. Hardy, Dyson Daniels, Scoot yep. Henderson. Not like we're we're taking other guys that are deeper over him. It definitely says where a lot of NBA front offices are, but those were like the picks. I mean, we talked about it and said we hoped it was those guys. We hoped they took Scoot over Michael Foster because I'm just more excited for him for the future. I don't think it necessarily has a, a negative effect on the Ignite going forward. It, it's just more a byproduct of, those guys were better than he was, and that's who they selected. And he's fine. Uh, I don't. His, his stock has taken a tumble, but I think that was going to happen organically anyway. I don't think this really like amplified any concerns we already had. This is this is where we're at. 
Uh, Tyler Metcalf, T Metcalf 11 on Twitter, who is someone you see ranked high by consensus, but you're struggling to come around on. Mm, go ahead. You start. You know what my name's going to be, but you can start. Yeah. Yours is Ty Ty. <laughs> Correct. Um, but I have come around. Like I, I do kind of have yeah. him and, and I move it and I update the big board by the day. I have him late lottery now. And as soon as I feel like I, I get there with him, there's a game or two where I'm like, I don't know if I'm there yet. Is he, are we not taking into consideration enough how old he is too? Yeah, no, I don't, not I don't super know old, are. but is he, he's a year older. If this was what he was doing as a sophomore, would we be, not panicking, but it would be a little bit slower roll this guy in the twenties and not in the teens. Yeah, the the answer for me probably would have been Keegan Murray, but I've kind of come around to the point where it's just like, okay, whatever, you have to take him like in the top ten, like very clearly, just because of the production. Um the answer early in the season would have been Jaden Hardy, but people seem to have come down yeah. to like my level on Hardy. Um yeah, it's this is a tough one for me. Oh, I I got one for you. Maybe maybe Jean Montero. I think Jean Montero yeah. might be the guy for me. That's that's a good one. Jean Montero's a good one. I, I think a name to to throw out here that's getting more lottery ish type stuff that I can't get there is EJ Liddell. I really like yeah, him as, as yeah. a first round guy. I I I haven't watched and I've watched a bunch of Ohio State. I haven't really well he's he's very good against Minnesota, but he was beating up on kind of like smaller posts. There hasn't been a game yet where I'm like, that's a lottery pick. Like, no question. I have to put him 13th or or not. I, I have him in the 20s right now. I have um 21, so it's not like I'm, I'm killing the guy. I just don't see him 12th. Yeah, look, I, I haven't talked to a single NBA executive that has him in the lottery yet, personally. Um, it's not to say that, you know, the people who have him there are wrong. It just means I haven't talked to one yet. Uh, that's, you know, people of different people they talk to around the league, and I'm sure that – the people that you know the others talk to have them there so that's the reality of the situation right um yeah no i I think of him as more of like a 20 to 30 guy as opposed to like lottery so yeah i I don't know that's a hard question i think um uh, (laughs) hmm which prospects would gain the most from coming back for another season and potentially vault themselves into top 10 conversation like Jaden ivy or ben matherin let me count the ways. There's a lot of guys. There's, yeah, I, Jeremy Sohan feels like he's passed, like he's good enough that he's going to yeah, be there. Are, are we positive he doesn't go in the top 10 like this year? Uh, I'm not. I'm looking at him at 12 right now here. Call me crazy, but I think the skill set yeah. makes sense. Uh, we, we talked about it earlier. I know this is nuts. It, if Patrick Baldwin Jr. like transferred and went somewhere, I could see it. Like I could see yeah, him going top 10. Peyton Watson, we, we talked about ad nauseum. He's another guy. Max Christie. Yeah. Uh, but some of the some of these guys that we think are going to declare, I think Harrison Ingram sort of is what he is. That's that's not a, a knock. I think he's probably a guy just in the 20s. Uh, Trevor Keels, kind of similarly. Bryce McGowan, I think, is gone. Yeah, I think that's my answer. My sneaky yeah, it's, dark horse. It's very rude of you. Very, very rude of you to steal Peyton Watson as an answer twice from me on this show. <laughs> well, he's the answer. Um, it's always Peyton Watson. Yeah, I think Peyton Watson's probably the answer here. Um, okay. 
let's see here. Who do you feel are the best defensive prospects in this class that are not in the top five? Seeing a player like Herb Jones have success right away. I would be interested to know if there are any prospects later in this draft who could have a similar level of defensive impact. Look, I think that my response here would be Dyson Daniels. I think he can have like a pretty real defensive impact early on in his NBA career. I, but he's being priced like, you know, as a lottery guy at the end of the day. Um, I don't see like a Herb Jones type. I loved Herb Jones last year and I, I don't, I don't see it in this class. Yeah. Not that high. If you told me Christian Coloco was like a good defender from the jump, I believe that. Yeah. But yeah, it's, not, it's hard to be like a Herb great Jones center. Is, though. We're, we're asking for who's a starter that's going to be drafted 25th. Who's everyone missed on that can come in and play defense and be that guy. I don't know if he's in the top 60. Yeah, look, like I, I thought Herb Jones was like an impact player early last year. I just on defense, I just didn't know like what the offense would look like or if it would even allow him to get on the court. Um, yeah, I, I don't see that guy this year, to be honest. It, it, it's just I, I don't see the defender that that would be. I guess right. is the way that I would put it. Um, yeah, no, I. Like Marjan Beauchamp is like being priced properly. Like I think he could be like a solid defender early on, not a great one. I don't, yeah, Herb Jones is like a top twenty-five defender in the NBA. That guy is not entering the NBA this year. Right. Um. Oh, uh, Malachi Branham rising since the last pod. His mid-range game and patience with defenders on his hip was on display against Illinois. Uh, we can pretend they didn't get worked by Nebraska. That's from. <laughs> Uh, rip move. Um, I think we priced Malachi properly on the last yeah, podcast. Like 19th or something. 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, is it possible? Is it time to start thinking about Malachi Branham possibly having a more translatable game than Johnny Davis? Spicy. Um, I like it. It's spicy. Yeah. I think there's probably some space for that if you believe in malachi's shooting at that level um you know malachi's a guy that did not really shoot like this from distance uh in his like you know high school prep days so i don't know maybe like if if you really believe in the shooting at that level yes but i'm not there i would say i'm not there either and now teams have like really adjusted to malachi branham and he got double figures late in that Maryland game, but like he, he wasn't there. And then he hit like a late three and some free throws to score 13 points, something like that. With Johnny Davis, he's getting everything thrown at him. That Purdue game, they forced him into a lot of rough shots and he didn't score till like five minutes left in the first half of field goal because he's getting so much of these doubles and hard hedges and traps. And yeah, so he's taking these shots with like three seconds left in, in the shot clock. And, and even the three he hit late to put them up was one of those like, no, 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 yes, yes, yes type of, of yeah. deals. His foot was actually bothering him too, so he wasn't quite at a hundred percent. I'm still buying Johnny Davis. I love Malachi Branham. I'm just trying to like temper expectations a little bit because I don't want to get on this train where all of a sudden we're talking about him as a top five pick because I still prefer Johnny Davis. Uh, from the box in one, shout out Adam Spinella. Go follow the box in one underscore. Uh, yes, please. Uh, Adam is great. Uh, we hear a lot about the 20 to 30 range being up for grabs in terms of pre-draft names and intriguing freshmen. Is there one safe, steady upperclassman who is more of a second round talent, but could have first round appeal in this class? Honestly, I think the answer is EJ Liddell. Um, <laughs> well, what if he's not though? 
Well, if you do that, Dell goes 13th. Like, are you a Christian Brown guy? Are you a Wendell Moore fan? George Look, Hall? I'm probably personally more of like a, I think Christian Brown is like a second round prospect. I've talked to enough NBA teams that think he's a little bit better than that to think Christian Brown is probably the guy that Adam is looking for here. Yeah, that's that's the name I have. I think I have him right now at 30. So technically still in that range, still, still in the first. Uh, and and we discussed this. It the the whole pre draft thing is is twisted. I don't know how many of these guys are going to be taken early. And do you prefer a, a little bit known, more known commodity in a guy that produced at Kansas, or you're, you're hoping that Trevor Keels comes out and, and puts it all together for you? Yeah. Um, from let's see, from Logan Thompson, uh, which player outside of the consensus top ten slash lottery is the best chance of scoring twenty points per game at some point in his NBA career? I do think I would answer Jaden Hardy still on this. Um, I don't know that it will be all that impactful of a 20 points. Outside of what range was it? Uh, lottery. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really tough. That's really tough. Yeah. Like back in lottery, good. maybe you say Ben Mathurin gets on the right team where he just like chuck a little bit. Yeah. Uh, there's not like. The, but the scoring guy that that fills that bill is Jaden Hardy. Does he get the opportunity to do that? I, I don't know, but he's probably the name. Yeah, uh, sneaky one might be Bryce McGowan's. Like if he ended up in oh, the right spot, good. but I don't. That's good. I don't quite see that. Twenty points. Game, like, Twenty points per game is a lot. I mean, we just talked about Richard Lewis. Richard Lewis averaging nineteen. We're saying that could be a good number one pick. Twenty points a game is yeah. a lot from regardless where draft position is. Uh, from NZ Clown, any thoughts on Andre Jackson in Connecticut? He's a godly athlete with some unusual skill, but it seems he doesn't know how to play basketball. LOL. Um, <laughs> he's crushing his question before he finished it. It took a, a hard turn there after the comma. I am an Andre Jackson fan. I, yeah, I like him. That. I like him. Albany uh, Academy needs to go back to school. Like 100% yeah. needs to go yeah. back to school. Um, but if we were looking at Andre Jackson as like a rise up the board first round pick next year, wouldn't blow me away. He has that those kind of tools. I think he uses his tools really well on defense already. Um, he's been a little bit more developed as a passer than what yes, I thought he would he be. He has been better passing. That was my point. Yeah. Like he, he's showing real flashes. I'm a fan of Andre Jackson. So yeah, I, I would, I like Andre quite a bit. Um, I'm a fan of Jordan Hawkins too. That, that team could be good next year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, from Simon Rath, what's your favorite fruit juice? <laughs> I, I answered this. I don't drink a ton of fruit juice, but the, the answer there is fruit punch for me because it does it, it captures everything. Every fruit you want is, is in there. You, you get a little bit of flavor from all your favorites. So why why take out one? We can have all of them at the same time. That was like a coach speak answer about fruit <laughs> juice. Yeah, you know, just does a lot of things well. Just a team guy. The oranges really chip in. Helps out the lemons. Great in the locker room with the apples. My answer is apple juice. Uh, if I'm at a hotel, oh, apple like juice, what? Stay. That's if I'm move. at a hotel, staying like you know a couple of days, there might be a day where I get apple juice. But I'm with you. I don't drink a lot of fruit juice. Oh, apple juice. Check in. Get a nice Marriott bonus bump of apple juice. That's great. That's right. Um, is Baylor Shireman the coolest prospect in this draft class or of all time? From Alex at Draft Film School. <laughs> yes. I just watched him I mean, last yeah. week. Yeah, I was going to say, I like Baylor. He's kind of interesting. Like, uh, I really worry about the athleticism with him, but like, 
there's a lot of talent there from a shooting perspective and from a passing perspective. He rebounds the hell out of the ball. I just, I would like to see him uh, at a bigger school next year to know what that looks like. Him and David Roddy to me are like the ultimate. I mean, this as a compliment, like men's league players, the way they beat you, like shot fakes, rip throughs, they score, they kind of point at you, like, ha, got you. Like he's that type of guy. Yeah. And you think you close out too hard, then he takes a step in, a hard dribble, a pull up. He's really good. I, the athletic limitations, the lateral stuff did scare me a little bit. <laughs> but he's a bucket. He is. Let's see here. I don't love that question. All right. Th- this will be the last question right. uh, from Kirk Henderson at Kirk Serious Face. Shout out, Kirk. Uh, as a filthy casual, he's an NBA fan. He's a Mavericks fan. As a filthy casual, what are four likely tournament teams I should want to see play for draft reasons? All right. Well, the the top two, I would say Duke and Auburn. Yes. Probably Arizona. Yes. And I don't know. Who's my fourth? Who am I missing? My fourth would be Baylor. Baylor. Yeah. Baylor's a good one. Yeah. Because of ahead you know, of Kentucky. both Kendall Brown and Jeremy Sohan oh. have like an outside chance to go in the lottery. Um, Gonzaga is a good one too. Like Gonzaga has Chet Holmgren. Nah, that's, just that's, like, the, that's the answer. Probably to, so you're able to actually see Chet. Because if you if you yeah. do that, you see those. You're seeing Chet. You're seeing Jabari. You're seeing Paulo. Yeah, it, like here's the thing with Chet too. Like with the Malachi effects. Like we didn't mention Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas. Like yeah. those two have a big tournament. Like they step up and like really fill like that need for a third consistent guard for Gonzaga. Like behind Rasir Bolton and Andrew Nemhard. They have a couple big games. I don't know. Like that's yeah. Be 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 ways away. And I, I love Hunter Salas. I've loved him in high school for a long time. He, he'd have to do like a lot. It'd have to be something like absolutely incredible, which would hard to no. do and, and cut through that clutter of Gonzaga scoring punch. Yeah, the two of them have combined to take thirty five free throws this year. So yeah, that's it's, uh, it's hard to move up boards like ideal. that. Um, yeah, I would say for me the answer would be. Duke, Auburn, maybe Baylor, Gonzaga. If we're talking purely yeah. like NBA, um, I love Arizona. Like Arizona's look, Arizona might be my favorite team to watch in the country. If we're being completely honest with it. Um, oh, that, you know what? That That's a good one. Is Dalen Terry a Malachi effect guy? Yeah, I've been wondering that too. That's a really good one as well. Someone actually asked me that question. Um, it was, I, it wasn't mine. I had an eight with me the other day. Uh, shout out Boog who shot me a DM. What are your thoughts on Dale and Terry? Um, yeah, no Malachi effect guy for sure. Really great passer. The thing I worry about is that it seems like Arizona doesn't fully trust him. Mm. (laughs) Like Tommy Lloyd has a bit of a shorter leash with him than he does with their other guys. And I wonder if like that ends up being an issue. Good. Good, but I, I, he does have a high-level glue guy, all-around type game. But he he puts one or two big games, and they keep winning. He, his name's going to get some buzz. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, uh, I don't know. We've gone for an hour twenty. Do you want to do prospect of the week? Uh, maybe we, it's, it's up to you. We can we can table it. We got plenty of time to do prospect of the week next week. If you just want to dive into your your movie and your cinema experience the last week or so. 
let's do a quick five minutes here. Um, I, I like literally two minutes each. So maybe four minutes. Okay. Um, a lot of people ask me about Jalen or uh, not about your, your, we'll deal with Jalen in a minute. Here. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people ask me about Vince Williams uh, yeah. and sent us a lot of questions about Vince Williams. Vince Williams is my prospect of the week this week. Um, really intriguing, like set of skills, six, six long arms, good defensively, great steal rate, great block rate. He's definitely like one of those guys that pops in a lot of statistical categories that I think NBA teams are interested in. And I have him as a top 100 guy for sure. Now, uh, having like gone to, on down the road of doing like a bit of a deep dive on VCU, uh, these guys that tend to work as more uh, role playery like three and D wings, they do tend to have lower turnover rates than what Vince Williams does. Like he's averaging three turnovers per game, despite the fact that you know it's not like he's you know handling the ball all game or anything, right? Like Ace Baldwin is VCU's point guard and. Um, like he's it's not that Vince Williams has like a low usage rate or anything, but like he takes 21.6% of VCU shots when he's out there. That's like a, it's a normal cog basically. Like he's, there's five guys on a basketball basketball court at once. He's taking about one fifth of the shots when he's out there. Right. Right. Um, so the fact that the turnover rate is as high as it is, I think is actually a problem for him. Um, but a really good defender, uh, his, shown over the last couple of years that he's really improved as a shooter over his last 243 point attempts he's made them at about a 39.5 percent clip uh so that's a really good sign over the last two years yeah I, I like vince williams uh really interesting player i don't quite have him as like a first round guy but um i, I would love to get him on a two-way i think is where i'm at yeah it could light up summer league too that type of guy yeah, uh, you are up, Matt. On the clock, my two minutes. I'm going to take Jalen Williams, not that Jalen Williams. I'm taking Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, averaging 14 points. Nope, 18 points, four rebounds, four assists, shooting 52% from the field, 40% from three. He scored 20 or more 10 times this year. He leads the West Coast Conference in scoring over Drew Timmy, over Chet Holmgren. He had 26 points in a game winner a week or two against BYU. He's a late bloomer, played on an unsponsored team in the grassroots circuit. And he grew eight inches between his sophomore and senior years. Now he has decent size at six foot six, more than capable of making shots on the move and off the dribble. He's great as a spot shooter, great out of catch and shoot, has a pump fake and step in for 15 footers, had a dunk against Pepperdine where he did that play, took one more bounce and dunked. He moves well away from the ball, back cuts for looks in the lane, a little bit slower when he does get to his move. And he relies on his length right now to score over the top of guys. Not going to be able to have that luxury when you get to the NBA. I could see him on a roster. I, I just feel like there hasn't been a lot of chatter on him, and, and he deserves chatter for having such a strong season in the WCC, which is normally dominated by Gonzaga in the headlines. Yeah, Jalen Williams is a good one. Uh, really creative off the bounce for someone that has like that thick of a body type. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very intrigued. I'm very, very intrigued by him. Okay, Penny, have you seen any movies? Uh, I've seen a lot. I don't know if I've necessarily seen movies, but where's where's my little list here of of stuff that I saw? I finished the Kanye documentary on the plane, Genius. Which, yeah. if you get to know me, I am a sucker for any like documentary stuff behind the scenes where they kind of go through like the process of of how they got there. And the second episode, they showed Kanye playing Pharrell through the wire for the first time. And if you remember the Through the Wire music video, Pharrell like walks out of the studio and there's like no context to it. So for years, I'm like, why 
why did he leave? Like, what was he doing? He plays him the song for the first time. Pharrell goes, you mean through the wire, like through your teeth, jaw wired shut? And he's like, yeah. And he walks off and he comes back. He's like, that's the wildest thing like I've ever heard in my life. He's like, I've heard two of your songs. Like, you're my favorite artist. Like, this is incredible. And I, I, like, I get goosebumps like watching the scene and watching how, mm. how people get there. So that was a good one. Episode three got uh, a little dark of, of where Kanye is today. Saw Inventing Anna, we talked about. I uh, watched Archive. What, what did you think of Inventing Anna? Fine. I thought it was a good watch. I, I didn't not necessarily like, hey, dive in and do it. It's hard because I'm I'm such a Ozark fan and to watch the accent go from the Ozarks to Britain and Germany and the different personas she's taking on was like hard for me to to get there. I think yeah. you were kind of similar. This was a uh this was a low point in the uh Julia Garner fandom, I think. <laughs> <laughs> We had time. In the she's clock. like, I think she's like outstanding. I yeah, too. adore right. everything that she's basically ever done. I've seen like shitty horror movies that she's done. I've seen obviously I've the assistant, here. which came out early last year. That was really great. Um, I thought she was incredible in that. Obviously Ozark. She's amazing. Yes. Um, the best. Yeah. She was not very good in this. I it was yeah, that the accent was weird. Two other the, the problem. The, the choice of the accent wasn't the problem. The problem was that, like, in the important moments of the, like, show, she couldn't, like, yell and hold the accent at the same time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the, like the Boston stuff, trying to do the Boston accent. Just stop. That's exactly what hard. It's, that's it's hard. Exactly it's hard. It's, it's, it's al- almost like semi-typecast. You just expect the Ozark thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, the choice didn't bother me. It was like the, you know, the, the um, you know, you, you bring you know, someone like John Hamm to Boston and ask him to like be in the town and do an accent. It's going to do pocket you know. car. That's not how people talk. Uh, what else? I watched the Z's Ansari stand up, which was about 30 minutes on Netflix it was pretty good. And mm-hmm. then my wife watched, but I kind of peeked in the background. I'm going to butcher the name of it. The Kristen Bell woman in the window across the street from. Yeah. It was satire. It was kind of dark humor. It wasn't bad. It, it was an okay take, but that's uh, that, that was my rundown. Yeah, Laura and I got through one episode of that, and we were just like, I think we're gonna pass. Um, <laughs> I, I don't blame you for it. Watched No Exit, which is a movie on Hulu right okay. now with Dennis Haysbert, Dale Dickey, and some new actors that are pretty good. Uh, really like solid twisty thriller. I liked it a lot. Uh, not a lot, but like I liked it. Like I, I would actually recommend it. I thought it was pretty fun. Um, the last four movies or the last five movies I've seen, uh, all very good. I saw licorice pizza. Yes. Have you seen licorice pizza yet? I haven't. I haven't. I've heard it's a little strange though, right? It's like a little offbeat, better word than strange. Mm, offbeat. Yeah. Uh, okay. the, the plot is weird. Um, I think that you should go in with as little information as possible. Mm-hmm. I will say. It had two of the funniest things I've seen in a movie in a year. Okay. Um, two of the funniest scenes. And it involves like two major movie stars. It is unbelievably funny. Well, uh, um, at points. Uh, I'm, I'm also a huge Bradley Cooper fan. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I thought Alana Heim was really good. Like, I think she should have been nominated for Best Actress. I think they totally fucked up the Best Actress category this year like after having watched this and i watched west side story as well like to not have alana heim and rachel zegler in there is that you'd fucking nominate nicole kidman for that bad being the ricardo's movie but not these two oh man incredible 
Um, just such so bad. Uh, saw Scream. Have you seen Scream? I didn't. I almost watched it on the plane, but I, I finished the the Kanye doc and did a little bit of work. But I was very yeah. close. Scream was good. You should watch Scream. I it was really that. fun. Um, really, really fun. I thought that like they did a good job of balancing um the old characters with the new characters that they have which i think can always be so tricky in those like reboot reboot like yeah. matrix did a good reboot. job of that too. yeah i thought they did a really good job uh watch downfall the case against boeing the documentary yep saw that too uh, well i, I saw Netflix. the preview yeah yeah i didn't want to watch it on the plane i'm like this would be a, a little bad no you can't watch that on the plane uh laura is a big fan of just like planes and like everything that has to do with like the uh engineering and mechanics of planes isn't uh, terrifying when you actually think about it that's like, absolutely I, I, try, I, I try not to think about it but then like those movies yeah. come out and the stories i'm like ah this is way worse than i thought yeah um west side story i loved west side story uh it's like i felt the same do you have you you've seen dune right i have not seen dune no okay so like when you watch dune you feel like my like overwhelming emotion was just like how the fuck did this guy do this? Like, how did he create this world? Like, right. it's just so visually striking. It's this, I felt the same way watching West side story. Um, Steven Spielberg, like with ca- the camera movement and with the lighting and the set design, all of it is fucking incredible. Um, and then the Batman, which I think we're going to talk about next week because we are, and you're going I'm, to see it. I'm going and, to see it Saturday. And I thought about this. The last movie I saw in movie theaters was The Joker. So we're we're kind of completing a, a loop here. It's been that long. I, I just with stuff coming to video or, or digital or streaming, there hasn't been a movie that's like pulled me out. And then this is the one that's going to do it. Yeah. Um. Very good. I, I'm. I'm tr- I've through it's funny you've been like trying to like pull like little pieces of no i don't want to know too much but just like but then like being like yeah like i don't want to know too much no spoilers no spoilers three hours Uh, long i I mean i feel like a lot's gotta gotta happen during those three hours so those 180 minutes is there's a lot of character development yeah and like i told you you can feel that length within the movie um but it's very good it's very very good very good yeah i'm excited Um, for it i am We'll talk about it next week when more people have seen it, obviously. And um, we'll do the spoiler alarm, like turn off your turn off your listening device. We're at that point in the program. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Penny, this was fun. Like, I'm glad that we finally I feel like we answered probably like 30 questions. That was a lot. Pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. With minimal research, too. I looked up a couple things beforehand just so I had some stats. But other than that, it was straight off the cuff. Yeah, and like I had just woken up before we recorded, so this was fun. <laughs> I'm gonna make coffee ready to go. <laughs> yes, I'm ready. It is six o'clock at night. Yeah, it's like uh, we're recording at like eight o'clock my time, and Penny's like, "Yeah, like uh, we were, or I texted him like right when I woke up. I was like, "We're still good in like 25 minutes," and he's like, "Yeah, um, okay, it's now eight o'clock. Just let me get a coffee. We'll be good. I'll figure it out." <laughs> oh, perfect. perfect. Um, Penny, tell the people where they can find your work. Find me on Twitter, Matt underscore Penny. More, uh, more little draft tweets, draft videos to whet your appetite. And uh, yeah, find us back here. Find us back here at Game Theory once a week. Yeah. Send more uh, questions. It, Rate, review, subscribe to all that. We're growing. We're doing our best. Yeah. We are growing. I really yeah. appreciate the audience. Like, thank you so much. Like, it's crazy to me um, how many people are listening to the show. Uh, it's really, really staggering and surprising. Um, 
this could be Penny's last show. We never know. Uh, the rumors are flying. Uh, the rumors are out there that, you know, perfect. Y- you never know. You never know. U.S. over there is uh, flying The alma around. mater. The alma mater. Oh, a lot to the school. It could be my last one. If it is, thank you for everyone for, for listening along and not crushing me too much for the mediocre takes that we pump out here. That I pump sure. out here. Yours are good. No, no, no. Yours are better. Minor, minor disaster. Uh, okay. This has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. Go subscribe on YouTube to Game Theory Podcast with Sam Vecini. Uh, we will be back next week with, uh, more NBA talk. Penny and I think we'll probably record earlier in the week next week because that tends to be our schedule. Um, but until next time, we will talk soon. Bye.